0: Welcome back to America's Talking. I'm Austin Berg. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Jeremy Tate. Jeremy is the founder and CEO of the Classic Learning Test. The Classic Learning Test strives to provide assessments steeped in content that is intellectually richer and more rigorous than other standardized tests and college entrance exams. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Can you tell us what is your biggest gripe with the status quo form of standardized tests that all of us probably took in grade school, high school, maybe some in in college and post-college
1: and to, to narrow it down to one thing, Austin would be really tough one one single gripe you know we we were born out of the conviction that the tests end up driving actually the the content in the classroom and i and I would argue that this is one of the few ideas that almost all teachers agree with, right if you love standardized testing or if you hate it, most teachers agree that the tests end up driving curriculum in a really powerful way and then this is what i mean if 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 students on the most important tests they ever take if they 're reading. Let's say Ben Franklin, or or John Locke, or uh, you know Martin Luther King Jr then those kind of texts are going to become important in the classroom as well. And what we've seen with the SAT and the ACT, partly born out of an obsessive concern for sensitivity, political correctness, uh, they've removed any serious substance uh, from students. Uh, and so that's what we, we want to do. We want to put students in front of, uh, as the great English poet, Matthew Arnold said, the very best of what has been thought and said. Uh, so students who've taken the CLT Reading Thomas Aquinas, they're reading C.S. Lewis, Catherine of Siena. Uh, a lot of the grades that are, are literally censored now uh, by the the mainstream standardized testing companies.
0: Can you talk about the incentive structure for traditional large testing companies and sort of what that what those industries look like in the United States?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's almost you know, on the the at first glance, you know, some of your listeners might think, "Man, we're talking about standardized testing. Like, could anything be more boring than standardized testing?" But but really, this is one of the three or four most powerful levers that controls all of American education, right? And so, you've basically got three or four things: you've got teacher certification, you've got accreditation. Uh, I'm going to argue that the the most influential really is is standardized testing, um, and so like this is the way that that not just teacher. Are often evaluated, but school administrators often entire districts if they're performing and how they're performing. Um, and so, what is that? What is actually put on the test uh, conveys tremendous value, and it also conveys something powerful to the students, right? Uh, when kind of this external authority shows up in their in their classroom, uh, you know, if you're and, and this was. Part of the way CLT was born, I was at a a Catholic school where we were using, you know, college board assessments, um, all of which were completely divorced uh, from the Catholic tradition. And so during the school day, we're saying, you know, this is what's important. But when you take the most important test, none of that's going to be there at all. It's confusing for young people.
0: One thing I was curious to talk to you about was just the the idea of standardization of testing generally so one of the things that we see in the United States is well you can you can have a lot of uh, school choice for example um, I live in Chicago there's actually a pretty healthy charter school network specifically but those charter schools are really beholden to the same kinds of performance metrics and and in, in some ways as traditional public schools so they're really, really driving again towards these traditional standardized testing. And it creates these bad incentives for cheating on tests so you can keep your charter and things of that nature. Um, Would you, do you think there is a need Uh, ultimately to have, you know, state by state comparisons on pretty, uh, state by state comparisons that are pretty accurate in terms of testing. So we need to have these sorts of national tests that can be compared, or would you prefer just let a thousand flowers bloom and just have a lot of different competing tests, uh, across states, across local governments?
1: It's a really good question. The, the the tests that we interact with the most at CLT are going to be the SAT and the ACT. Uh, and so they, they, they live now in a very different arena. You know, College Board and ACT both. They contract directly with states, directly with school districts, uh, and they do that. You know, of course, they, they do what they do. They, they they use their lobbyists to wine and dine state legislators to make this case. Hey, you need to, to spend big bucks with us in order to track you know, year over year academic progress, uh, academic growth, right? And so, uh, I, I think, you know, the, the tests play an, an important role, uh, for sure. Uh, and CLT's argument has always been not that, that standardized testing is necessarily the best, uh, thing, but as long as we're going to have it, as long as we're going to have standardized testing, it's really, really important the content uh, of the test itself. Which, you know, in the case of the SAT, has has changed dramatically uh, from what they were describing for for generations uh, as a pure aptitude test uh, to now as a Common Core aligned achievement tests. Uh, so now the SAT, and most people have no idea this is what's going on, but the SAT is now really used as a way to enforce the common core standards. Uh, the goofy, the goofy, goofy common core math is now showing up on the PSAT and the SAT as well. And, and you know, students coming from homeschools or classical schools, uh, it looks very foreign and it looks very strange uh, to them.
0: We see recently institutions of higher education taking off or at least making optional, um, or not looking at all at standardized testing results, uh, as a part of admissions, you see some, uh, teachers unions fighting for just the re- reduction or elimination of standardized testing in general. As you said, I think that's a pretty common, it's a, a, a pretty common sentiment among teachers is that, man, our kids are stuck in, in testing, uh, uh, for too many hours in their, in their school day and in their school year. Um, And the argument there is one of equity in that, well, uh, wealthier kids have access to tutors, they can study to the test um, and therefore to measure by this is, you know, inherently unfair. Uh, What do you see in that trend? What's your opinion of that?
1: Yeah, I think to, to use an analogy here, you know, essentially what we're doing is, you know, if someone looks in the mirror and they don't like what they what they see, you know, they they could go to the gym and they could work out uh, or something or they could just destroy the mirror itself, right? Cuz they don't they don't like what it's what it's showing. And in some ways, you know, this war against standardized testing is a war against accountability itself, right? Every standardized test across the board, the SAT, the ACT, you name it, every standardized test is showing academic decline, rapid, rapid in some cases, academic decline in America. So the response is that, you know, not that the problem is that we've got a failing education devoid of substance, but the argument is that the problem is the test itself, right? The tests are racist. This was Congressman Bowman shortly after George Floyd, you know, on the floor of the U.S. Congress, uh, that standardized testing has been a pillar uh, systematic racism in America. Uh, I, I think what it is is it's being used, uh, as a way to, to hide the fact that people don't like accountability. Uh, they don't like to, um, own the fact and look in the mirror that, that in, in many respects, uh, America is, is rapidly declining in terms of academic, um, almost every measurable academic metric that is out there we're seeing decline and I, I really believe that's where the war against testing is rooted uh and so we're you know we're not seeing this at every college uh in a place like patrick henry college thomas aquinas college Christianum college they're not are they haven't gone uh against uh tests in the way that kind of the mainstream. Have. and even mit it's interesting even mit went back to requiring a test and what they actually realized is you know what If you're affluent uh, and you've got means, then then you're going to have what they call the soft skills. The soft skills actually get a lot more weight. When you get away from an objective metric like a standardized test, well, the affluent families are gonna have much more of an advantage in beefing up those soft skill things are those resume builders, you know, that the 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 young person, the young applicant uh got published or uh they have some kind of a patent. Uh affluent families are gonna have the the options to do that. Uh whereas something like studying for a test, prepping uh is gonna be much more of an equalizer, uh, I think than that. So I, I do believe that the pendulum has swung as far as it's going to swing against testing, uh, and, it, and it's and it's already beginning to swing back. And part of that is just the fact that, that colleges have admitted a lot of students that shouldn't have been admitted, uh, and there's a cost to doing that as well.
0: We saw uh, over the last year, it sort of renewed uh, culture war, I guess you could say, around classroom curriculum in many states. And it strikes me what you said about sort of uh, curriculum being actually downstream from the test being used is very under discussed. And I'm wondering what you think of the, the idea of rather than states micromanaging curriculum uh, choices or micromanaging teachers, um, simply getting better uh, and, and spending more time on assessing the testing that's being done and then by fixing testing, you will end up with a curriculum that is perhaps uh, one that more people can agree on rather than being sort of a hotbed of these millions of minute decisions that uh, teachers and schools need to make every single day, that going into the halls of state government and people debating over it. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really thoughtful question. you know. And you, you mentioned uh, school choice earlier, and I think this ties in, is that in some ways, what school choice can actually achieve is going to be somewhat limited, uh, so long as as everyone is is still beholden at the end of the day to the PSAT, the SAT, the ACT, the College Board. Uh, you, you you're you're going to be um, locked into that in terms of how you can show. Uh, showcase your, your academic excellence, uh, so long as those are the only tools, uh, that are going to be permitted to, uh, to do so. So, um, you know, we're far, far right now from, from kind of a, a free market in terms of testing. Uh, the free market in many ways has spit out, uh, the, the college board and the ACT. And that's why they rely on the hand of the state. Uh, they rely on lobbyists, uh, to, to literally pass legislation that forces students and schools to take their tests you know, whether the student, uh, if, if the student wants to or not. Um, so, you know, my, my hope is that if, if we can give schools uh, the option to choose a test that best reflects uh, their, uh, th- their academic uh, curriculum, uh, the things they care about, uh, that's going to allow them to, to be true to their mission uh, and to, to no longer have to compromise.
0: For parents who are who who say in their local community don't have access to a school that's doing kind of alternative standardized testing, uh, they they live in a typical American public school district, but agree with you that these tests are uh, not serving students well. What's something that an average person can do to kind of begin that conversation in their community?
1: Yeah, it's it's a big question. I mean, we're we're living through, I, I believe, the most radical disruption of K twelve education that that's happened in the in the history of America. I mean, this is all it all began really with COVID and parents uh, going, "Oh wow, I, I didn't realize this was the the substance that my kids are receiving every day." So we're seeing a, a huge exodus uh, out of the public school system. I mean, look at look at just. The, the percentages around Black homeschoolers in America, right? We went from three uh, percent to sixteen percent over a period of four years, and a lot of people said, "Oh, that's a COVID bump." You know, uh, th- these families are coming back, and that hasn't happened. Or, or the, the, the families that have come back have been very, very minimal. So, you know, we're we're living through uh, this this disruption, uh, and again, testing is going to be is going to be one of these things. Uh, you know, the the mainstream tests right now they reflect the educational. Uh, uh, establishment In some ways, they have created the educational establishment as it is, which, uh, again, we believe as is, is a war against a tradition. The fact that students right now, they can go K through 12, and I, I'm not even talking about right now believing or not believing in, in, in Christianity, but the fact that they can have such a limited understanding of the influence of the Christian tradition of the church throughout history, uh, how biased and warped, especially AP US and AP World History is, I mean, this is a profound... Uh, miseducation, right? That's happening. It's giving students uh, a warped perspective uh, of reality and what happened before them. Uh, and given the option, I mean, every every parent at the end of the day is going to, or most parents. They're going to fight what's, fight for what is best for their own own students. And I, I think that there's every reason in the world right now to be optimistic that um, things are breaking up uh, and that educational freedom is, is, is coming to America. Uh, anti-school choice politicians, I think it's going to be a very hard future across the aisle. You know, we're seeing more and more Democrats as well uh, getting onto the school choice bandwagon and realize, you know what, these are decisions that are best left for parents, not, not for politicians.
0: What do you see as some of the biggest legislative barriers, whether at the state or federal level, uh, to changing or really disrupting the testing industry at large?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the the number one thing is 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 by far. I mean the the, the establishment and the funding behind the, the the U.S. Department of Education. I mean, so the, this is a a massive hundred billion dollar a year, hundred billion dollar. I mean, we talk about the the influence of the College Board a lot at CLT, one point two billion dollar a year. You know, testing empire. The American Department of Education spends $100 billion a year, and for a, over 100 years, this was debated from the end of the Civil War uh, until it was passed in, in 1979 and then enacted in 1980, um, that what it would do was that it would drive out local involvement, right? The, the reason America's founders don't prescribe education in the Constitution is precisely because they believe education is so important uh, that it, it, it can only be left to the family, uh to the churches, to the local community. Um in every case, federal intrusion, it crowds out local ownership, local involvement. Uh and th- this is is what we have seen. And so I, I do believe that the the outcry uh, is such that we could actually see a reduction in the influence in the spending uh that has come out uh of the Department of Education. So you know there is a battle in the years ahead. Education is no longer on either side of the aisle uh you know a, a fifth or sixth or seventh bullet point. Uh, it's at the very front right now of uh, the things families are most interested in, uh, and I, I think it's going to continue to be that way until until education educational freedom is here in full force.
0: What do you think would be the most evident day to day change in people's lives uh, twenty years from now if school choice, or perhaps just maybe schools using the classic learning test, were to increase? twenty, fifty, a hundredfold. How would people experience that in their day to day life?
1: Yeah, I always want to be careful here to not not bash. I'm a public school student and uh, a lot of the people at CLT went to public schools as well. And I've met a ton of amazing families in the public school arena, but it, but it is shocking when you meet some of these young people coming out of great, uh, you know, a great homeschool uh, or a classical Christian school or, or some of these great Catholic schools. Um, in some ways, we have forgotten how mature uh, the, the excellence of, of a 16, 17, 18 year old. I believe it was George W. Bush who kind of introduced this concept of, of the bigotry of low expectations. Uh, And so I I spent 10 years in the public school arena, uh, three of those in inner city New York. And then once I started touring, uh, especially classical Christian schools, I mean, really shock is the only word I would have for it. And so um, if we're going to be a nation uh, of, of excellence, uh, that is leading in every field under the sun. Uh, I think it, it all, it all goes back to education, every, every bit of it. And so I think this is, uh, the, the number one question in terms of America's future human flourishing is going to be, uh, education. And look, the the best argument, I think, for the kind of education that, that CLT exists to champion is, is literally just meeting these young people, right? Like go, go talk to a typical 17, 18 year old who's been homeschooled, right? Read, read what they're writing. Talk to them about the books that they're reading. And we go, Oh, wow. Like this is a, a, sometimes a night and day contrast with, uh, you know, typical, a public public student student uh, and so public school student, so I, I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna see in terms of the 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 people who are rising to uh, leadership in, uh, in in politics uh, in government. Uh, I think I think we're gonna see uh, really really it really comes back to human flourishing itself. I believe Austin.
0: I just uh, finished up a feature-length documentary project on the Chicago Teachers Union, which is sort of at the vanguard of this new kind of, and they would describe it this way themselves, a militant new kind of unionism uh, in the United States. And it's it's mostly coming to the fore through large teachers unions. And I'm wondering, uh, in your line of work, how you see the influence of unions. It would not strike me that they would be natural opposition to a new type of testing as... A lot of folks, CTU included, who export kind of their ideology and tactics nationwide are generally uh, in agreement that students are over tested, but perhaps uh, the, the content would be uh, something that they wouldn't agree with uh, in the classic learning test. But ha- how do you see the influence of, of, of teachers unions in, in sort of your uh, project to bring this to more schools?
1: again, was in public schools for ten years. and uh, we my wife and I both actually withdrew from this the teachers' union. I believe we were playing, paying you know twenty five bucks every paycheck to be to be part of the union to be, and then you withdrew and you still ended up paying, I think it was seventeen50 because they were still uh, you know advocating for you representing you. Um, so you know what we have seen, I think we've we've seen the true colors. Uh, it's it's out there on display. Uh, with with the shutdowns in that the question of the unions what the unions fought for uh was often uh the, the paranoid um worries uh, of teachers and not uh for what was best for America's children and um and we are seeing now we're 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 still at we're still just scratching the surface of seeing the full impact of what the covid uh shutdown meant uh, in terms of so many students falling behind and and this really fell on uh the the poorest uh students uh, more than anybody else, I, I really do believe uh, we're, we're we're seeing a, a breakup, and it's hard to imagine what kind of form that can take. But we're we're seeing this exodus, and we're seeing uh, people identifying uh, the unions as as one of the main problems here.
0: Jeremy Tate, he's the founder and CEO of the Classic Learning Test. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for talking.
1: Awesome, thanks so much for having me on.